0: Thank you so much for all that you are doing in providing quality math lessons for my children. If you're looking for a great online math program, visit ctcmath.com. That's ctcmath.com. Hey everyone, this is Yvette Hampton and welcome back to the Schoolhouse Rocked podcast. I am back this week with another fantastic guest. Her name is Janice Campbell, and she is part of our Meet the Cast lineup. This is the first time that we have had her on the podcast, and I'm so thrilled to have her joining us. As a matter of fact, um, as we were preparing for this podcast, and you know, I've told you guys before that it's really fun because oftentimes when we have people in the podcast who are speakers, in the homeschool world, they will send me their list of topics and things that they really focus on in their ministries. And and it's fun because I get to choose. It's kind of like going to a convention and getting to choose what workshops you're gonna go to. And so I asked Janice, I said, can you send me just some of your topics that you have so we can focus on some of those for the podcast. And so she sent me her list of things. And I was like, oh my goodness, there are so many great things to choose from. So we are gonna try really hard to get to as um, many of the ones that I chose as we can, because she has so many fantastic ones. But I was really excited because... One of the topics I've really been wanting to address recently is how to teach. Like, how do we teach our kids? You know, we all talk about homeschooling and the importance of homeschooling, but that begs the question, how? How do we do this? How do we do this teaching thing? And so Janice is a veteran homeschooler. She has been in this world for quite a long time, and I'm gonna let her tell part of her story with that. actually in the movie she talks a little bit about that as well. And so we are absolutely thrilled and honored to have you with us Janice and welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much. I'm delighted to be here. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Tell us about tell us about you. Tell us about your family. How long you've been in the homeschool world because you're no longer homeschooling. Right. But you your ministry is to
1: homeschool families, so
0: I would love to tell our audience about you and what you do.
1: Okay, so uh, we were homeschooling our four sons back, and we began back in the late 1980s when homeschooling was not a very popular thing as it is today. <laughs> and um, I loved staying home with the boys, and I loved homeschooling, and I loved teaching writing and literature to them, and was enjoying a pathway that was sort of a cross between charlotte mason and classical education because back then we didn't have all the resources and i was just cobbling things together right um trying to figure it out as i went that's the whole how to teach question <laughs> um and people started asking me to speak and people started asking me could i consult or could i write or could i do these things and so i was doing those things and it felt like a door that the lord had opened um it was something that I, you know, it hadn't occurred to me to go pursuing anything. But those doors kept opening for me. And so I did, and I wrote my first book, Transcripts Made Easy, way, way back. And it's now in its fourth edition. And then wow. later, as the boys got older and started doing higher level work, I couldn't find a curriculum that taught classic literature in the way I thought it should be taught, whole books in historic cultural context. And so I wrote that, too, the Excellence in Literature Curriculum. And so um, now our boys are all grown. We were caregiving the whole time. We were homeschooling, too, so that made it interesting. But the boys are all grown. Three of them are married. And I have three grandchildren, which has been great fun. And two of them are so far being home educated. Mm. So I'm thrilled about that.
0: Yeah, very, very exciting. Well, you you mentioned um, about teaching, you mentioned about transcripts, that that was kind of your first book that you wrote, um, which we'll put links in there um, in the show notes to that, because I know that you've written a lot and taught a lot on how to do transcripts. And that's one of those funny things that, you know, as you move into high school, you don't think too much about it. And then in high school, well, some people do think about it. I didn't think too seriously about it until we got into high school and then I'm like, oh, I need to have like real legit transcripts. And, um, and so I love that you offer that resource. So we'll put links in that, um, in the show notes to that. And actually later this week, we're gonna talk specifically about homeschooling teenagers and through the high school years. But I wanna kind of jump into how to teach. It just seems like such a simple question with an answer that is so big and so wide and so varied from family to family. But I know that you talk a lot on this and you have some very specific tips on ways that we can help our students to learn well and to teach them well. So I would like to just kind of jump into that. And what, how do you uh, teach us how to teach? (laughs) And I told you before, and I've said this on the podcast, one of the reasons I do this podcast is because I really need some of this training myself. And this is an area that I feel like I really need some, 11 years into homeschooling, I feel like I still really need some guidance and direction in how to teach my kids because every year is different. So I'm gonna let you kind of jump into this and teach us how to teach. The
1: delightful thing I have to tell you is that people have been teaching and learning for so many years and there's very natural and organic ways that we all learn. And your job in teaching is not so much to make yourself a great teacher as it is to make your kids great learners. That's that's like the first takeaway. If you think back to our founding fathers and learners of that generation and before, none of them were sitting in an assembly line classroom being pushed through a little schedule on someone else's timetable. Instead, they had a mentor, a perhaps a tutor or a parent. They had models, great literature, they had great books. Um, they had people who were learning around them, probably their family, you know, within their family and everything. And you think about the type of minds that kind of learning produced that kind of self directed or mentor directed learning. And so it's not that we as parents have to become the mentors that know everything, but we can point, we can guide, we can accompany all throughout the learning experience and that the biggest thing when you realize you really can't teach essentially unless the student is ready to learn right and the student has to be present ready to learn in in the way that their foundation has been prepared your whole job with teaching is to give them a foundation for a lifelong experience of learning and growing and becoming who they were meant to be Right. And so, in order to do that, you pre- you prepare. It's like setting a feast. You prepare a feast. You give them the utensils with which to eat it, and they have to do the eating. You can't spoon feed education. And so, mm. part of the part of your job is to choose those excellent, excellent books. But there's seven tips from the 13th century. They were called Rules for Study and they were created by Robert de Sorbonne, who created the Sorbonne University that is now the University of Paris, if you can imagine a college that has endured that many centuries. Wow. Um, and I have them on my blog in one of their original forms, not the original French, but translated directly from the original French, very old-fashioned language. But this they're very simple tips. And they're directed toward the student because that professor that teacher that instructor understood that the learning was always an act of the learner as charlotte mason said um so the first thing that he suggests is that you must read with focus Hmm. and charlotte mason expands on that she says do short lessons and because focused attention does not last after a certain point and so you when you are assigning works to read, or when you're reading with your children, have a limited time uh, that is appropriate for their age and don't go on and on. It's a little bit like filling a teacup with tea and if you just keep pouring, you're gonna lose a lot of it. Right. So read with focus and when the focus is dissipating, it's time to stop.
0: How, How can you tell when that focus is dissipating?
1: It depends on the age of the children. It just, it's usually wiggling for younger children, wiggling, squirming, sometimes poking one another and playing (laughs) on the sofa or whatever. But for older teens, you often see them gazing off into space and dreaming of something else. Or it's just, it's almost an audible disconnect if you're looking around. And that was one reason when I was homeschooling. I usually stayed around the dining room table with them. Yeah. I, I know a lot of people feel like you can um, get things done while you're homeschooling, but that's a delusion that usually is dissipated <laughs> within the first few months of homeschooling. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Let me ask you a question on that because you talk about them wiggling and moving and stuff, but I know that, especially in the really early years, a lot of times kids need to be moving and doing things with their hands in order to actually be able to concentrate on what it is that they're hearing. So if you're doing a read aloud with them and you make them sit still and quietly and look at you, oftentimes they can't listen if they're in that position, they need to be moving and stuff. So do you, how do you find that balance of knowing, you know, they're, they're wiggling and listening or they're wiggling
1: and not? I usually with with my kinesthetic learner especially, I would give him he would have Legos or, you know, something to draw while or color or something while we were reading aloud. But the usually when it turned from being content to do the little thing that was in their hand, whatever toy or whatever they have to do, when it turns from that to plaguing the neighbor, plaguing your, <laughs> you know, the child sitting next to them or you know, just starting to lose it. Now, a couple of reminders to, you know, if it's only been five minutes. I mean, that's usually not too long. Sure. Um, A couple of reminders are perfectly fine. But giving them the, you know, being observant of when it starts to transform from contented playing Mm -hmm. to fussiness.
0: Gotcha. Gotcha.
1: And you do want to extend that as they get older. But of course, their attention span naturally expands as they get older. Sure. Sure.
0: Absolutely. Let's take
1: a quick break. We'll be right back. What we do at IEW is break through the the noise of the grammar and the writing prompts, and we say, this is what you do, step by step. And I've witnessed it over and over again, both watching Andrew teach and hearing from parents, this is the best writing program. We've made it so easy and made it really affordable. So any mom can teach writing to their children using our course and we guarantee
0: it. To try three weeks of free lessons, visit IEW.com. We are back with Janice. We're talking about some ways to help our students learn better. So the first one is you talk about read with focus. Um, which I think is really important. And let me ask you a question on that. Do you think, because you talked about how, you know, for centuries people have learned. I mean, since the beginning of time, people have had the ability to learn. And it seems that as our culture moves forward, it is becoming more difficult for people to learn. And I think that electronics have a lot to do with that, um, which I'm assuming you probably think that as well. But I'm wondering if, do you think that one of the reasons that it makes it difficult to read um, And and when we're thinking about reading, you know, Charlotte Mason talks about twaddle (laughs) and that word always cracks me up, but twaddle is basically junk book. It's, you know, junk food in the form of a book. Um, Do you think that that's partly because there's so much more junk reading now than there used to be
1: years ago? I think that absolutely has contributed to it. And I think just the plethora of other distractions, Mm -hmm. because there's screens of every kind. And the ways that, you know, we probably, well, if you went through public school as I did, you probably experienced much of the same way of teaching, where every, the teacher gets up and talks, everybody does little exercises, and then, you know, repeat, rinse and repeat, take a test, whatever. Right. Um, That kind of learning is not designed to be retained. It's not designed to stick. It's designed to cover material. It's not about the child. The teacher, you know, is not focused on who the child is, what they need at this moment, and have they, are they building on skills they've mastered, or are we just dragging them by the hair through right. something else just that to they check have a box. no idea? Just right. check a checkbox. Yeah.
0: Right, right, right. Yeah.
1: So yeah. it's partly teaching skills, partly distractions that is, Really messing people up. And I think one of the things homeschoolers have to, you know one of the great benefits we have is that we can filter those distractions completely out. We yeah. did not have a television While our boys were growing up, we still don't have a television because I didn't grow up without what with one. And, you know, it's just one of those things, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And you have to get rid
0: of them. We have a phone basket. um and when we start school, We I have my girls put their phones in the phone basket and that's where they stay until lunchtime. They can take them out for a few minutes and check messages and do you know whatever they want to do, play a game, Um, and then they go back in the phone basket um, again when we're doing school because it is such a distraction. Um, But I love that read with focus and then short lessons. I think that's really important because sometimes we feel like and and this is goes back to the whole feeling like we need to meet these state standards and grade standards and you know our kid is in 3rd grade and we have to get through this 3rd grade curriculum therefore we have to read all of lesson you know 1 2 and 3 this week and that puts so much pressure on us as parents to feel like we have to get through it therefore we have to read in big chunks right and you're saying that's not that's not always best for the child because who cares if we read it if they're not listening to anything we're reading or retaining any of what's being read to them or what they're reading themselves, then they then really it's just a waste of time, right?
1: Oh, absolutely. And why why do that? Learning is fascinating. It can the stories in history, the discoveries in science, the adventures in exploration and geography, all of those things are delightful. They are fascinating. And, if you do them in short enough chunks and then follow them with a subject where the kids can think about what you just read where they can ruminate on what might happen next or why did that character do this it gives the children time to ponder and the story becomes more part of them whether it's a you know a great fiction book or whether it's you know an actual historical event right and when those events and stories become part of the child they are truly learned.
0: Yeah, yeah, very exciting. Okay, so what would be the next thing? So the first one is read with focus.
1: What would be the next step? The next thing, I will I will blend the next two. I won't blend them, but I will tell you them together because okay. they really go together well. Um, choose one idea to ponder deeply for the rest of the day. From any of the subjects that you're doing, choose one idea that you wanna really think about and summarize that concept. So that's 2 and 3. You know, summarizing is the act of doing something with the knowledge we have that we've we've gained information. Summarizing is one of the big ways you turn it into knowledge. Summarizing is what you do if you do Charlotte Mason's style of narration, mm-hmm. which is simply telling back its oral composition or if you write about something or if you draw it or whatever. But when you summarize, you are going to retain more than if you are simply letting the words pass by. You're doing a learning action. And so again, it's the student who's learning to be a good learner.
0: Right. So go back to, so you say, choose one idea to ponder daily. Give me an example of that.
1: So if if you, the child is studying, and it can be, the, ch- the subject can be, the topic can be the child's choice from what you read that day. okay. It might be something from, say the you know, little house on the prairie book you're all reading together. or it might be a science experiment that perhaps they're reading you're reading about the Wright brothers and how they took random bicycle parts and, you know, started doing things. Well, you might have a scientifically, inclined child who would want to go away and ponder why things why things like that work and maybe what can he do to replicate something like that. And they go off and they, they think about it and they try to apply it in some way a lot of times. Or sometimes, as I did when I was a little kid, I read nonstop. I consider it where I got most of my education, actually, yeah. <laughs> just in my reading. But I, as I fell asleep each night, I would be thinking about alternate endings for whatever book I was reading, or I would be thinking up an alternate story for the characters Mm -hmm. because I didn't want the book to end. And so I wanted, you know, and so there was constant rumination on what had been read. And those things that I spent the most time with have retained, have remained with me.
0: Yeah. Interesting. Do you recommend that, and I was just talking with my daughter about this this morning, um, And she's she's kind of writing out her assignments for the next week. And so she's got, you know, history. We're doing the Mystery of History, Volume 4. And then she's got her forensic science class. And I said, it's up to you. You can either do all of your, you know, science in one or two days and then finish all of your history. Or you can piece it out and do a little bit each day. Do you find, and maybe this just depends on uh, the student, but do you find that it works better as we're talking about, you know, like pondering on one idea? Is it more effective, do you find, to stick with one subject as a whole and do, you know, focus on history for a day or two and then move to science for a day or two and then move to writing for a day or two and really hone in on that thing instead of piecing it out every single day, a little bit at a time.
1: We tweaked our schedule quite a bit over the years and When the boys were younger, we did the short lessons each day, but Mm -hmm. as they got older, we did more of a block style schedule. So Monday and Wednesday was humanities and Tuesday and Thursday was sciences, but we always did math Mm -hmm. right? um, because no one liked it right? and no one wanted to be stuck with a whole day of
0: it. (laughs) (laughs) Right, right, right. And math comes in little sections anyway, you know, as you do each lesson. So it kind of lends itself to that anyway. Um, Yeah.
1: And we also timed things by time rather than by lessons. So when they were little, it would be 20 minutes of math and they would do as much as they could and then put the math book away because that way they were still fresh. Right, They weren't burnt out and some of them would go faster than they needed to. Some of them would go a little slower because they were struggling with a particular concept. Right. But that That was an easy way to do things.
0: Yeah, yeah. Okay, so that makes sense because it seems still like my younger daughter, who's fifth grade, she still does better to piece stuff out. Yes. But now I think, like I said, I'm starting to realize that for my older daughter, it's starting to make more sense to just block everything and, you know, let's just do all of history. Because it seems like you'd retain it a little bit better that way.
1: Yes. Well, you get into the zone. At least that's what happens to me. Is if I've got more time, I get into the zone, and that's one of the reasons college schedules are arranged that way. Right. You think about it. You pay for college, and they should be doing things the most optimum way, and there they are. (laughs) But I think smaller children are probably less able to focus for the longer periods of time. So that's why it starts working better once they hit teens.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Makes total sense. We are out of time for this episode, but we're going to come back on Wednesday. We're going to continue talking about ways to help our children learn and ways to teach them as we are homeschooling our kids. Janice, where can people find out more about you and your ministry?
1: Um, I have a main website, everydayeducation.com, and a blog, doingwhatmatters.com. And excellenceinliterature.com, which is my site for all sorts of literary resources. So everyday education is probably the place to start.
0: Okay, sounds great. We will put those links in the show notes. Thank you guys for listening. Have a fantastic rest of your day, and we will be back with you on Wednesday. See you then. Bye.